0: Welcome to the Fresh Fiction Podcast. My name is Danielle Jackson-Dresser. And I'm Gwen
1: Reyes. This is the podcast where we talk about what we're reading, watching, and listening to.
0: This week, we're going to chat about some of our favorite page-to-screen adaptations, and we have an interview with bestselling author, Abby Jimenez, about her new book, Part of Your World.
1: We're also gonna go over our goals from last episode, set new ones, and share what's been bringing us some comfort lately. All right, this is gonna be a good week. It is going to be a good week, yeah. Good episode.
0: Okay, how are you doing, Gwen?
1: You know, I'm feeling despite having like moved and having a real sore right side of my body. Um, <laughs> I'm feeling very cozy. I've been unpacking Ooh. and like watching a lot of like cozy television and just trying to motivate myself to uh make my house feel cozy, so like. I don't know, just, and I'll get into what I have been watching. That's extra yeah. cozy in comfort section, but yeah, I'm just feeling very cozy right now. It's cold this week. We had a, mm-hmm. a last minute or I don't know if it's a last minute. I don't know how nature works in Washington, but it was very cold <laughs> this week. I had to bring yeah. my parka out that I was lamenting earlier that I only had like three days all winter that I got to wear and I got a whole week with it this week. So very happy to get that extra little boost. But yeah, I feeling like cozy. Feeling cozy.
0: That's nice. I just packed away my like heavy winter sweaters.
1: Oh.
0: Um, and I have not taken my shorts out of their their big giant plastic bin, but they're there, like they're gonna take that space from my sweaters. So, but I was kind of sad because I was like, Oh, I didn't wear this sweater at all this year. So I like that you're getting some cozy vibes.
1: A little extra cozy right before the end. (laughs) Yeah. What about you? How are you feeling? Oh man, I'm tired
0: this week. I don't even know why. I'm just tired. And I think part of it, part of it is my allergies are in overdrive. Everything is opening. There are (laughs) buds on all of the trees. Um and yeah, flowers like the daffodils are popping up. It's great. Wow. Although mine have not opened yet. I'm kind of jealous. That's
1: so rude of them.
0: I know all of our neighbors, I'm like seeing all these daffodils and ours are just like they're they're growing, but I'm just like, they're not up yet. So yeah, I, I'm a little jealous of my neighbor's beautiful yards, But um, but it's all happening. But yeah, but with that comes allergies and I'm just, you know, my eyes are kind of itchy. It hasn't been like terrible, but yeah, I feel like I sneeze more yeah. and I don't know. So I think that that's contributing, but I'm also just, I don't know. I'm tired.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And all of those things contribute to making you feel tired. Like your body is like, yeah. purging. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like purging toxins at that point. Yeah.
0: Something. It's
1: <laughs> so what we need is a cozy nap. I'm hearing yeah. it. Daniel doesn't nap, but a cozy yes. sleep. A cozy, yeah.
0: see what you need <laughs> cozy time, just cozy time. I think yeah. you know, that definitely needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, What is your achievement this week? What's one good thing?
1: That is a good question. And I totally forgot to fill it out. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I will say the one thing I have achieved this week, because I'm sitting in my closet, uh, my workspace is not completely ready for guests yet. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. um, So I'm going to say that the one thing I've achieved is getting all of my clothing into the closet, unpacking it all, getting it washed, spending the week doing that. I'm still in process of that, but it's like, yeah. I feel like that's an achievement very proud of yeah. really amongst my clothes
0: <laughs> seriously though that you know before we recorded we were talking about how terrible unpacking is yeah and uh I I'm proud of you
1: yeah it took a long time I mean I was literally just putting plastic bags around
0: Dang, yeah here we are. yeah for sure
1: <laughs> what about you
0: okay so I technically I have not done what <laughs> I'm going to say but um, we are recording the day before Easter. And while my immediate family is not super religious, we do, you know, celebrate it's one of those kind of gathering holidays. Yeah. Um, and so we are getting together with my in-laws and my parents and and a couple of other people. And uh, but I am making a pound cake. Mm. this probably after we get done. <laughs> is uh-huh. what I'm gonna go do. And it is my grandma's recipe. Um, so it's a family recipe, mm-hmm. and all of the there are a lot of, especially on my mom's side of the family, a lot of us love to bake and we and it that is like the cake. Um, yeah. And you know, I try not to think about the fact that there is literally like a pound of sugar and a pound of butter and you know, and all it of that, but it's so good. And it's a sour cream pound cake, which <sighs> is my favorite kind. I yes. know it's so delicious. And And it's, you know, like a lot of times with pound cake, you want to like add, you know, berries or whipped cream or something. But this pound cake is like good on its own.
1: My favorite kind of.
0: I know it's so it's delicious. So I'm very excited to do that. And Ivy, you know, and Ivy and I love to bake together. So she's going to help me. Um, And that's just something really fun to do. So like I said, I have it by the time this is up, we we will have eaten said pound cake. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm counting it as an achievement. Cause I know I have to get it done. We have a, we have an Easter gathering to go yes, to, exactly. so it's going to happen. <laughs> sounds delicious.
1: Um, yes. yum, yum, yum.
0: We wanted to spend some time talking about page to screen adaptations. I credit Gwen with that nice little phrasing <laughs> page to screen and, you know, Books are the source material for pretty much everything at this point, yeah. you know, and you cannot go on, you know, author Twitter or writing Twitter without some like seeing someone announce that their film or TV rights have sold, which is, I mean, great, you know, now does anything happen with them? Not always, but You sell those rights, you get some money for them. And, you know, and eventually, hopefully a lot of them get turned into, you know, the great TV that we all love Um, and movies, I should say, too. So I thought we could start off with a few kind of basic questions. But like, what do we love about page to screen adaptations?
1: Oh, man, I think the easiest thing to answer is that you get to see your friends come to life you know like especially when you do love the book and Mm you've spent so much time with it you get to see these scenes that you've imagined in your head Mm -hmm. portrayed by some other creative um being and I think that that is just like the best part it was also the part that makes people the angriest because if they're not up to their what the standard expectation it's the thing that completely pulls them out of the book or out of the movie
0: yeah I mean in this Kind of goes into the next question, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Is I always try to keep in mind that they should be separate. Yes. Yes. Like what a book does is, even if it's the same story, what a book does and what a movie does and, and what a TV series does, even mm-hmm. between TV and, and movies, yeah. are completely different.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> and different
0: yeah and I think it's it's interesting you know so we're recording this it's April Bridgerton the new season, season two of Bridgerton has been out in the world for almost a month at this point yeah. and s- still to this day you know even what two and a half weeks three weeks later people are so Ang- well, some people really like the changes they've made, but there are so many people who are so mad mm-hmm. about the changes they made. But I was like, you know, like, I love The Viscount Who Loved Me. Like, that's a great book. It's one of my favorites in the series. Um, but so much of what happens with those characters is internal. Like, they are yeah. grappling. They're both grieving in their own ways. Grief, I think, is really hard to portray on screen in yes. both in a sexy a- way yes, in a sexy way for Bridgerton, but also in like a believable, Mm -hmm. genuine way that doesn't seem overly melodramatic. Correct. Correct. And I mean, everyone grieves in their own way. And I, but I think that's important in, even within the mechanics of the book by Julia Quinn, like people, that's a big part of it is like people grieve differently. The way these past deaths of parent parental figures in those books affect the two main characters in different ways. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's just so hard. So some of the changes that they did have to make make sense. (laughs) And I just, it's so interesting to me, you know, and we're not, I'm, I wasn't even planning on getting into the whole, you know, the kind of the diverse casting or colorblind casting, you know, but I mean, people get so up in arms about, these changes, but when I think you really have to remember, it's a different art form, it's, it's a different,
1: completely different art
0: expression form. of things and a visual representation of these words on a page that is so personal how you take them, you know. So it is really hard. And I think, you know, I think you and I, we say this all the time like, you and I have a different perspective on things, but we do know enough creators, both writers and filmmakers and you know, and TV showrunners and things like, we know enough that they even, they know that it's mm-hmm. one person's perspective yes, <laughs> that's being shown or a group of people, you know, when you, you include the entire creative process, but yeah, it, it is really interesting. So, th- and so this does go into my next question, but it's like, what makes a good, an adaptation good or bad in your opinion?
1: Honestly, the thing that makes it me not like a book or not like an adaptation, a lot of the times mm-hmm. is when direct quotes or moment not moments but actually like direct lines are taken from the book and not necessarily mm-hmm. like dialogue but maybe like the prose part or the descriptive part yeah and put into the mouth of the of the character and it's like oh. hey, that's weird so like mm-hmm. moments like that that are just so stark where i am realizing it's a book or i am because then i start to think about the comparison and i just comparing like when I would watch or I read all the Harry Potters and watch the movies mm-hmm. and they were so close to the time that I was very, I was sensitive enough to be able to notice like the big differences. Yeah. But then when you have enough time between it, it's like you don't, but those little moments will pull you out and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't care for that. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Um,
0: I also think, well, I was thinking about this earlier and I was like, I think the best adaptations are more like inspired by, yes, you know, not maybe like, maybe that's the problem because the word adaptation just kind of, you know, has like such a, a big connotation with it, but it's more like when it's inspired by the yeah, like if you just material. take the characters
1: names and do what you want with it i'm like mm-hmm. super happy about that one right. it just popped it in my head right we're, and it's not even on my list of ones to talk about but the mm-hmm. vampire diaries which was a series yeah. i loved like that is one of my, that is my childhood favorite series mm-hmm. ever and i love the the tv show because it was like we're just going to take these characters names maybe do a little bit of stuff with them yeah mash some stuff up and then completely throw away the rest of the story and make our own way and I loved that I thought that worked so well for the show Mm -hmm. it didn't make and it was so clear from the start so as a fan of the books I was like okay that's fine and it was its own entity at that point
0: I like that that also makes me think of um same network but Gossip Girl because Gossip Girl I mean the the setup of the specifically the first season was pretty close to the books but then You know, it devolves into other things, you know, I think, and it, and it, it, and it still has like kind of those hallmark mentions that make it still part of, still related to the book, but it moves it away and, yeah. and does its own thing. Yeah. cool. what's really- cool
1: about like a series first, cause I loved what you mentioned about like a movie does something different than mm-hmm. a series does. And then the, the, even the book series, it's like, they're all, they're all their own creative yeah. their own creative thing. And what's cool about a TV show too, is that you can, a lot of the times in true blood, I think did this so much where they would take moments from, or scenes from, other series or, um, future books, put it in the current season. I think Game Mm -hmm. of Thrones is doing the same thing. So you could like kind of tell the story in a different way in that different medium than you would, you have more time with it than you would with a TV show or with a movie. Yeah. Okay. Now this could be a thorny, Mm -hmm.
0: a thorny question. I know we're (laughs) going to get so much hate (laughs) mail. Maybe, I don't know. And so, but it's when the author is involved in some part of the creative process of their adaptations, uh-huh. does that make it better or worse? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I feel like this is such a, it depends question. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> depends, totally. You know? Um, but usually my answer is like, no, my, my no. Usual answer is, is I want to put like my publicist or my lawyer or my writer hat on and say, Mm -hmm. yes, as an author, you should get involved and you should get a a producer credit and a, and a cool chair. That's what I think. But (laughs) as like a critic and as a viewer and as a fan, I think that, uh, I think that the author often Mm -hmm. is more meddlesome than helpful.
0: Yeah. I, I, I tend to agree. You know, I think there are some exceptions like one, I was thinking of, like, I was thinking of, like, Gillian Flynn and Gone mm-hmm. Girl. Like, n- you know, she wrote that screenplay. I think she, yeah. ha- you know, did it with other people. But, um, you know, that was a really interesting one where she was heavily involved. Yeah. And she's and- gone on to do
1: other scripts since Yes.
0: That. And, you know, and even former, our former podcast guest, Christy Woodson Harvey, you know, she got yeah. to write the pilot, you know, so maybe it's like when an author is involved at some kind of a level and I mean obviously like screenwriting kind of makes the most sense I think or at least seems to make the most sense for them to be involved that way um yeah I agree though like kind of getting the executive producer or associate whatever they kind of put on there, like associate producer whatever yeah but like being involved at least being there to be like yes this isn't totally not ruining but you know isn't totally off course from the story I was trying to create like something like that you know like you know I th- I think it's awesome though like you know bringing up Bridgerton again but you know like Julia Quinn got to go to London and go to the set and like got to go to the premiere which was like yeah. amazing it's so cool to see
1: um yeah. So I think that, I think that's really, like that's the experience I think an author should have Yes, aspire for is to just be like, I wrote this really cool book and now it's made into a cool movie. Mm-hmm. I, I also feel
0: see- like it, it has to be kind of weird though, to see like your world kind of come to life in a way, you know, like, yeah. cause as the author, as the author, like you do have the authority to be like, this is yes, this is right. Or no, this is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it is, it it probably has to be like kind of, I mean, I'm going to say it like, it has to be like a mind fuck when you're like, Whoa, this is how this world was in my mind. And now here it is, you know, or, or maybe it's, it's completely not the same. It's different. I don't know what's going on. I bet it's very out of body.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I feel sad for the ones that get really mad about it too. Yeah. Like really, really personally hurt by what happened. Mm -hmm. You're like, yeah, it's it's okay. Yeah. movie. Go home, take your check. Right. (laughs) Do you know what's interesting
0: is since I've got I've had my book deal as the amount of people who are like, oh, so you're gonna make it into a TV show? And I was like, sure. I don't know. Like, yeah, I have no. You know, yes, I can make that happen now. No. (laughs) Well,
1: when Um, you, Danielle, get that executive producer credit.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. All right. So let's move into some Rex. Um, this is just like, mine was just like every movie I could ever think of. I know your list is awesome. I know, but I, I did group it together, but I do want to, I wanted to give a very special shout out because we're, I don't think we need to talk about what I'm about mm-hmm. to say, because we talk about this particular, book and the subsequent adaptations almost every episode somehow it always comes up but we are huge fans of any and all little women adaptations we we (laughs) We love them them. (laughs) we're obsessed with all of them uh and yeah it's great so I just want to put that out there yeah that's (laughs) like a big one that I feel like someone would be like why didn't you talk about that and I'd be like well because we talk about it every episode Exactly. (laughs) We both love Little Women.
1: I have just like a brief list of some of my favorite all-time adaptations that are ones that I actually, I went with ones that I've actually read the book and watched the movie. That's a good
0: distinction. very good
1: distinction because I have seen many adaptations and I've read many Mm -hmm. books, but sometimes they're not always the same. Right? Yeah. So um, I'm going to start with one of my favorites and it does exactly what I what I look for in an adaptation which is kind of takes the names and some loose stories and Mm -hmm. does its own thing which is the you series on Netflix yeah I love it I loved the books I think the books are so creepy and Mm just um so my next one is train spotting which is a book that is like completely impenetrable as a reader it is in Scottish slang it, it has a glossary <laughs> in the back it is yeah. incredibly it's non-linear it bounces around from chapter to chapter and what or from character to character each chapter and you don't really ever really finish anybody's storyline so what I loved about Danny Boyle doing with the movie is that he actually just follows one character Mm -hmm. that he like loved in the book who kind of had the main arc and then um builds around builds the other characters around that but you of course you miss out on getting some characters when you Mm -hmm. do that but then you also just need when you're watching a movie you really just need one two plot lines at at the most really Mm -hmm can be tricking too many people right I also love Meg on the other side of train spotting a show a movie about heroin addicts I love <laughs> the charming sweetness that is the princess diaries by Meg Cabot okay. I, those books like Maya, Mia and um Michael Mal- 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 Maswaski, like, oh, they're just like, <laughs> just like, still to this day, love them. Yeah. So um, and again, I love that in the sequel, Princess Diaries, the second one with um Anne Hathaway and Chris Evans, I, or was it Chris Evans? Chris Pine. Chris Pine. Chris Pine. Yeah, the good Pine. The, or the yeah. good Chris. The yeah. right. best Chris. The best Chris. <laughs> <laughs> with Chris Pine, I love that it was like a departure from the, from the books again, mm-hmm. it just went its own way it's beautiful. It's colorful. It's just as much fun. I think that the, the movie really captures the spirit and the lightness of the books. Yeah. Um, which I think does, it's just so good. And that was such a cool one too, because I remember when that movie came out and the book came out, they came out at the same time. So it was one of those early deals where Mm. like they had, you could get the book and then six months later, the movie was out. Nice. Yeah. Um, atonement, which is again, a a book about grief. And <laughs> sadness. yeah, uh, but the movie by Joe Wright is absolutely beautiful. That yeah. green dress that Kira Knightley wears yep. is to this day, just like one of the most iconic visuals of the earl- okay. of the Early aughts. um The book is like beautiful. And I think that the book is actually much better than the movie, but I do think that the movie again captures the spirit and the mm-hmm. sweepiness of that book. Um, and again, Virgin Suicides, this one with Sofia Coppola, she did such a great job of, uh, of adapting Jeffrey's work by like taking the spirit and the, the sadness and the, the like morose that the girls feel and just kind yeah. of blanketing it with that, that right. gossamer, that gossamer lens the whole time. So I feel like she was really able to capture the feeling a reader gets mm-hmm. reading that book by, um, sort of putting the characters in that that visual. And I then mean, finally, I was just gonna say,
0: what a vibe. Virgin Suicides. Vibe. I remember when that came out and it was just like, what is this story? Why <laughs> do I want to live with this weird group of sisters? Also, what's happening in this house? Like
1: yeah, what what's is going happening? on? <laughs> and it's like never really resolved. Like that right. I, know, I, I that'd be such a cool book to go back and revisit as an adult. Cause I read it as like a teenager. Yeah. Same here. Movie. Same yeah. here. Yep.
2: I just okay, remember fair. those
1: girls. I was like, oh, they get yeah. me and I get them. And it's like, it's interesting. Like I'm excited about Daisy Jones and the six when that mm-hmm. gets made into a movie. Cause I think that that Daisy is very much one of those sisters from Virgin Suicide. Kind
0: of. Yeah. I so agree with that. Like
1: in that that spirit.
0: Uh-huh. Um,
1: and then f- my final one is Normal People, which is a Hulu series. Um, I think Sally Thorne mm. is the writer of that one. Hang on. I'm looking. Sally Rooney. Sally Rooney, thank you. It's like my Sally Thorne. Sally Rooney. Um, and that one, I haven't read any other Sally Rooney books. I've only read Normal People, loved it. It's about two people who can't be together. But mm-hmm. they just really have great sexual chemistry. The move, the show is like so sexy. Yeah. Because these two are normal people who love each other but can't be together, and I yeah. just it breaks my heart. I love it. It's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And as I think, I think every episode is only thirty minutes, maybe, or maybe I'm thinking of something else. I don't know. Very <laughs> short. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, those are my picks. Yeah. These are good
0: picks. Um, I have not read or watch normal people, but it's like on my list, but I know, you know, and I remember looking at normal people because someone had told me that they, she doesn't use quotation marks. And that really bothers me. I was like having one of those things where I was like, did I, did we create like a topic that was like too big to actually talk about? (laughs) (laughs) Because everything is an adaptation when it comes to it. So I just thought of like some of my favorite, like the two big ones that when I was thinking about the adaptations that I like, the two big categories that I came away with were Shakespeare adaptations and interpretations. And then also like Austen, or at least the time of Austen, you know, like some of her contemporary writers that were writing at the same time, like those adaptations. Okay, so first I'm going to start with Shakespeare. And this very specifically starts back when I was probably like 11 or 12, mm-hmm. and I was homesick from school. And I'm sure other people who are the children of medical professionals, like you had to be basically dying to stay home mm-hmm. from school. My mother's love, her so much was a retired nurse. <laughs> and like I had to be, like we had to be sick with a capital S Yep. um we had to be ill let's put it that way like yeah. we had to you be were like well to convince her to stay to convince her that we needed to stay home mm-hmm. and I'm I i do not know what it was if I had like a stomach thing or I had like a really bad sinus infection perhaps both like it had to be that level um But anyway, I stayed home one day and it was on, we had HBO growing up, you know, in the, in, you know, the mid, mid Mm nineties, maybe late nineties at this point. But anyway, I saw the 1968 Franco Zeffirelli, Romeo and Juliet, which is perfect. Let's just put it out there. (laughs) So beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. It is word for word, exactly the, the play. Um, you know, we I and mean, we don't need we we can touch on the fact that Olivia Hussey was like 16 yeah. and naked on screen. Yeah. But you know, yeah, I mean, I don't want to make excuses for it, but it was the late 60s it was a, it was a time um but anyway I saw I remember seeing that and being like I was like I don't know what any of this means but I love it it's so good and then but then very quickly within a year or two I saw the Boz Lerman Romeo plus Juliet and was also very inspired and in love with all of that a lot of that had to do with like Leonardo DiCaprio being just so pretty okay. um but I recently rewatched Romeo plus Juliet. That's how I refer to it. Romeo plus Juliet. Uh, I love that. <laughs> and feels very like, yeah, and, right. And <laughs> but before the tragedy sets in, it's so funny. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it so is. Was, yeah,
0: it's hilarious. I was like, this is great. So, yeah, I mean, that's where my, sh- I mean, my love of Shakespeare, I really honestly think starts with like that kind of double whammy of um, yeah watching the 1968 version and then soon after seeing uh-huh. Romeo plus Juliet, which I think really goes hand in hand with like the different interpretations of these various properties. And maybe that's what it is about I'm thinking I'm like having kind of word vomit, but also thinking maybe I like the Shakespeare and Austin adaptations so much because they are so different. Like each interpretation is different. Yeah. You know, yeah. so you get you get something different every time. Okay. Every time. Back to Shakespeare. Sorry. I digressed in my own digression, um, <laughs> but anyway, my next my next absolute favorite Shakespeare adaptation. In fact, this may be my favorite, but it's the Kenneth Branagh "Much Ado About mm-hmm. Nothing." I know Love I've it. talked about this. It's so good. Everyone is beautiful. They're having the time of their lives in like the countryside of Italy. It's great. Yeah. Um, I want to live that life so bad. I know, right? And then, but then moving into sticking with Denzel Washington, and I've talked about this mm-hmm. one too, but the tragedy of Macbeth that came out last year was just really well done. Really interesting. Very stark is like the the word stark immediately comes to mind. Um, And yeah, just really cool. And then I also want to talk a little bit about kind of the Shakespeare update. Yeah. one that I, I know we all know and love 10 things I hate about you, which is the taming of the shrew. Then I was thinking of, O, which is the Othello update. But then there was actually kind of in the vein of Romeo plus Juliet, there was a ha- a Hamlet remake with Ethan Hawke as okay. Hamlet. But then I, then I, I thought of this list and I was like all of these movies have Julia styles in them, uh-huh. <laughs> which I think is great. Like that was like her shtick, I guess for a while. Um,
1: Kind yeah, like Erin so Knightley is always in a period piece. And yeah. And Boya Stiles loves Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah. And all of these like Shakespeare, like
0: modern takes on Shakespeare. Yep, so yeah, well. that's someone. That so then moving into Austin and the time of Austin, I mean, Clueless is the best Austin adaptation.
1: Yeah. I mean, we have to agree with that.
0: Yes. And then I have a theory that the 2020 Autumn Wilde directed Emma with Anya Taylor-Joy is more of like a remake of Clueless than it is of Emma. So it's like, like taking them. Clueless and then taking it back to the source material, but also really infusing it with, I think, the spirit of Clueless, if mm-hmm. that makes
1: sense. Yeah, no, I love that. I <laughs> think that makes so much sense because like that's the biggest comment on that movie is like, yeah. the fluffy yeah. uh, pinkness of it. Yeah, and like, that makes so much sense if it is like, you know, an homage to the original coolest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, like I yeah,
0: I, I like that idea. Um, I'm glad you agree with me because I, was I like, do. I like, I see it? that
1: theory. If you were writing me a paper, I'd be like, yes, a plus. <laughs> Thank you. I see it without <laughs> even any explanation. 100. Thank you, <laughs> Professor Gwen. I appreciate yes. that. Um,
0: and then I also, I just adore Emma Thompson's sense and sensibility. I just think it's so great. How much rain. I know. And you know what I really love about it is that she you can just tell Emma Thompson was such an Austin fan. Yeah. In there. And she infuses like kind of, you know, a lot of the like side conversations that have aren't really just from sense and sensibility. Like they are really encompassing like the wit and you know, the the comedy that is that does exist in Austin's work. I just thought she brought that so brought that to life so well, but then also it's like, you know, like, gosh, that final scene when like, when, you know, they, she starts like bawling because he like came back. Like, it's so great. Okay.
1: Um, yeah, no, I was like, it's up on my, I forget <laughs> what it's on, but I saw it this morning and I was like, I'm going to watch that later
0: today. I mean, it's great. Yes. Okay. so good. Um, and then I'm going to say this. I, I prefer the Kira Knightley pride and prejudice. I know oh, I love, The BBC, 1996, Colin Firth, Pride and Prejudice. Love it. But there's something about that, the movie adaptations, Karen Knightley, like each of those sisters are just so perfectly cast. Mm Mm-hmm the way it all aligns. Like I just, yeah. I mean, and Matthew McFadden is like a great He's Mr. So Darcy. Good,
1: Mr. Darcy. And even though it's shorter than the, it's so funny. It's like, even though it's shorter than the mini series, mm-hmm. you get so much more understanding I agree. Depth yeah. of Mr. Darcy and of Elizabeth mm-hmm. and it makes their relationship so much richer and it makes it make so much more sense when they get yeah. that scene at the end when they're together at Kimberly, oh my God. (laughs) I love, I, I'm with you 100%. We're on the same page today. I
0: prefer the Keira Knightley one as well. Awesome. And then, okay. And then I remember this came out, gosh, like three or four years ago, but Lifetime did an update of Pride and Prejudice. It was called Pride and Prejudice Atlanta and with the most perfect casting of all time, but with the great Jack A. Harry as Mrs. Bennett.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: It's amazing. And so, you know, it was all, I it think it was an all black cast yeah. of the, and they, they kept the, I think the Bennett sisters, all of their names were kept the same. So you got that, but yeah, I mean, Jack A. Harry as, as Mrs. Bennett, like who else yeah. would play a modern Mrs. Bennett?
1: The only other one I could think of would be like Jennifer Lewis. The only, oh, yeah, totally, and she probably, you know, what Jennifer Lewis would probably be better as. the the as Lady Catherine yeah
0: as Lady Catherine Catherine. oh my gosh that's amazing yeah (laughs) but it was and you know what it 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 does replay on Lifetime every so often so like I know because I I think I had like set to record on Hulu so every so often it just like randomly pops up in my like in my stuff on Hulu and so I like watch it it's great it's really delightful um also I will say about the Pride and Prejudice Atlanta is they do something really interesting with Lydia and Wickham where mm-hmm. they're not as terrible and I, it I but like it actually it actually works like it really does make sense so i just wanted to put that out there that's probably the biggest that's speaking of earlier like the differences between things that's probably the biggest difference but they did it in a way that really made sense all right
1: i love it um the last so my, my yeah. so find it yeah
0: you should you should try to see if it's out there um next time i see it pop up i'll let you know um then I just want to move into the kind of TV adaptations because most of what I talked about were movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: yeah um, movies.
0: I mean, I think we should just like kind of everything that's on Masterpiece or PBS is a book adaptation. Yeah. <laughs> But I really loved the recent, it's been done for a few years. I believe it's all up on Amazon Prime right now. Or if you're like a PBS Passport member, but it's Dark, which is, you know, an adaptation of the long running book series. It was also in the, I think in the seventies was also a masterpiece um, yeah. production, but I thought it was just really well done. It's really beautiful. Everyone on that show is like good looking.
1: yeah oh my god
0: so yeah and and it and it's funny it's also melodramatic there's a lot going on but it yeah it's really good um another recent adaptation i really enjoyed was station 11 on hbo max i know i i believe i've mentioned this um but it's based on the book by emily i'm gonna say her name wrong emily saint john saint manda i don't know i'm sorry um (laughs) Station 11. Watch it. <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes. You got yes, it. We will put the correct name. She's got a lot of names and that's nothing. That, that's anything that's wrong. It's just, I can never keep them straight. Um, also on HBO. And I talk, we talk about this in the interview with Abby, but I talked about my brilliant friend, um, which is of course the adaptation of Elena Ferrante's Neapolitan series. I love this adaptation. It's so good. It's Painfully pretty, like everyone just looks great. They're in Italy, so Italian. That's what I was to say. It's like so Italian. They are. They're so Italian. It's Mm -hmm. wild. Like it's just, it's great. And when I, when you watch it, you will know exactly what we mean. Uh And then finally, for TV adaptations, I want to talk a little bit about Good Omens, um, which is you know is the series based on the great book by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. So great this is a really great one that has like really is inspired by like it follows the main beats but I really feel like the spirit that you get from the books is in this tv show Uh um yeah and I mean that has to do with David Tennant and Michael Shannon being kind of the two main characters. well not the main characters but the two characters you see quite a bit yeah. that are kind of carrying the story through. It's really good. I can't wait for season two. It'll be interesting to see what happens with season two because there is no second book. So yeah, exactly. That's, that's
1: the risk you take when you yeah. do a series of one book and it's popular. Yeah. The big little lies.
0: Oh gosh. I don't know. <laughs> I've never seen see, it. I was gonna say, see how it's not on either of our lists. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> no. First season of big little lies. Really good. But second season, oh, I don't know. And then finally, I thought we could just talk like the YA adaptation space is huge. I'm putting, okay, so I put Lord of the Rings here, mainly because when the Lord of the Rings movies came out, I was in high school.
1: And like we all read it as a YA book. Like, right, we the all Hobbit read it. At least.
0: Yeah, The Hobbit, I mean, was a kid's book, really. And then The Lord of the Rings, I feel like most people read The Hobbit and then they just oh, go into The Lord of the Rings. I will say, though, the thing I love about The Lord of the Rings movies, particularly the second and third movies, those were the movies I remember like the midnight showing becoming a thing mm-hmm. like so you could see it Thursday at midnight so it was technically Friday morning and I mean I remember going and then going to school the next day and those were three-hour movies
1: uh, yeah. <laughs> I cannot imagine going to that midnight screening and then going to school like uh, you got like I, nine you got one REM one REM cycle
0: yeah no I, I don't even know how I did it
1: uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> <Right. young. laughs>
0: Um now if course, I the
1: after eight, I'm asleep.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, we need to go to the movies at like five o'clock. Uh-huh, that's perfect. And then go home and be like, all right, I'm going to bed. Like, yeah, see exactly. you tomorrow. <laughs> um because we're old, Gwen. Yes, it's fine. <laughs> uh of course the hunger games. I thought these, you know, I is it always fun. my genre of taste? No, like dystopian young adult literature is not usually my jam. But I did read those books and I enjoyed them. And then the Hunger Games. I thought the movies were good without the Hunger Games. Would we have Jennifer Lawrence? No, no probably no. not. Not in at the at the level we do now.
1: And again, uh, another great Donald Sutherland performance in <laughs> Pride and Prejudice as well. Yeah, absolutely. Totally different. Like talk about opposite
0: ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. What range he has. Uh, I also, I really loved the hate you give both the book and the movie adaptation. I think they were just, I mean, they're just such it's, it was such an important book. And when it came out, it was like the right time to have that conversation. I think it's a really great book and movie to show to kids who are kind of grappling with, you know, the, you know, gun violence and systematic racism and just like all that goes along with all of that. And then one I really just really really loved was to all the boys I've loved before. Specifically, the first I thought the first one of those movies was really the best one. But those performances by Lana Condor and Noah Centineo were just so great, and they, you know, you could just you could tell that they like they trusted each other in a way that just made it feel so genuine, and dealt with all of those like you know feelings of first love. It was really. I know so many feelings. <laughs> and then just one thing I'm looking forward to by the time I bet by the time this podcast goes up, this will be live on Netflix, but it's um, an adaptation of a graphic novel series by Alice Osman called Heartstopper. It's about two British boys who are figuring out their sexuality and fall and of course falling in love, first love, falling in love and lots of feelings and friends and, and all of that. So, yeah, I just wanted to give that one a shout out because I'm really looking forward to it.
1: Okay, I think that's it. I think I've gotten through all of mine. Oh my gosh! Well, now that our queues are loaded up on our streaming services, yeah, we have a long list of movies to watch this weekend. Definitely, it's going to be fun. I think I'm going to probably just go back and rewatch Pride and Prejudice. That's yeah, I'm inspired. Yep. <laughs> well, you guys, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with our interview with Abby Jimenez. when um, we have an author visit with us, they only have the one dream career, which is being a published author, but you actually have two dream jobs. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey from cake baker to romance author?
2: Yeah. So I own a bakery called Nadia Cakes. Um, we're mm-hmm. actually been on the Food Network. I'm, I'm a Cupcake Wars winner and uh, I have three locations in two different states. And it's kind of funny because like both writing and the cupcake thing was never really my life's goal, I guess you can say. I back in 2007, I I lost my job mm. um, as a retail manager. I, I got pregnant with my third baby in three years, and I ended up um, losing my job. Mm. And I took some cake decorating classes at Michaels and thought, you know, maybe I can make some cakes out of my house, you know, just to kind of like bridge the gap until I can get back to like my real job. Yeah. And I ended up making cakes out of my house for two years and uh-huh. uh, ended up opening up a retail bakery. And went on Cupcake Wars, and like it was really weird. It was like a year in. If you would have told me a year ago you're going to be a cake decorator and have, like this full time cake business out of your house, I would have been like, "What?" Because I never really? went to culinary school. I never worked mm-hmm. in a bakery. I never like I was self taught. Like I taught myself how to do mm-hmm. all of it—the cake decorating <sighs> and the baking and everything. And then uh, ended up moving to Minnesota and opening up two uh, locations out in Minnesota and after the bakeries like really got situated and we had, you know, really fabulous store managers running it for us, I was able to step back and be more administrative. And I, I always loved reading and I would mm-hmm. always loved writing. Like I took creative writing in high school, but I never went to college and I always thought that like being an author was something that you, you, you work towards your whole life. You know, maybe you're a journalist or you have a blog or you've always been in, you know, into writing or you have an English degree. Like I never, it never even occurred to me like, Hey, if you can, if you can write, you can be an author. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was on this camping trip with my daughters and it was raining and we were in this tent and we had no cell service or anything. And I was like, I'm going to tell you guys, you know, this, this story that I have in my head, like this, this like little fiction story I was thinking yeah. about. So I started telling them about this, um, book that I had thought of and my daughters encouraged me to write it down when I got home. And so I got home and I started writing this book and every day I would come home from school and I would read him a chapter and I ended up writing this full YA novel and I wow. submitted it to a literary agent and she told me very gently that it was pretty awful and that I could probably <laughs> benefit from some like critique buddies. So I found this site called critique circle and I ended up doing like pretty much what I did with the cakes. I spent a year on critique circle and I taught myself how to write mm-hmm. and I ended up trunking that first book and decided that I was going to lean really heavily on dialogue, which I'm really good at in my Mm -hmm. writing. Mm -hmm. And I started writing a happy ever after playlist in that group. And it was so well received in my writing group that I decided to query it and the the rest is history. So both things like the writing and the baking are very like, like, again, if you would have told me a year before I got my literary agent, hey, you're going to have a book deal with a yeah. major top five publisher and you're, I would have been like, what? Like, it's just, all <laughs> it all blows my mind. I have a lot of imposter syndrome. Like, I think I'm just now getting like used to the naughty cake thing. I'm like, all right, <laughs> yeah, I did that. But like, I think it's going to be a while before I'm used to before the idea. The book. That, yeah. That, that I'm like a New York Times bestseller for my rom-coms. Like, again, if you would have told me five years ago, you're going to be a New York Times bestseller, you write rom-coms. I'm like, what? No, I <laughs> I'm just doing things that I enjoy. Like I, was just doing them because they were fun. Mm -hmm. And I think with things fun, it's really easy to get good at them, you know, because you're just doing it
1: for fun. So do you ever feel the pressure that because you love something, you then have to kind of turn it into a career or a monetization?
2: No, 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 no. Um,
1: and I hope nobody
2: else ever feels like that. Mm -hmm. I, I honestly was just doing it because it was, it was a hobby for me and it, it like I was never, and you know what I have to say actually that me not feeling like that has mm-hmm. probably been like one of the secrets to my success because I was not motivated by money at all, and I never have been with this. So, as an example, uh, when I was in the query process, I got an offer from a top five publisher. Uh, they did not want the happy ever after playlist or the friend zone. Um, we were shopping oh, those two books. I wow. did not want the, those books. I know, right? Like, you know, big <laughs> mistake. huge. Yeah. You know? um, huge. <laughs> they, wa- they wanted me to write them. They made me an offer. They wanted me to write them a bakery romance series. And, and they were, you know they were going to sign me a book deal and everything. And if I had been motivated by money or even motivated by like becoming a published author, mm-hmm. I would have taken that deal. And I would have been miserable because I would have been writing something I did not want to write yeah. and I would mm-hmm. have never published my other two books. And I just deeply was like, I know that I've written these great books and my goal is never to make money. It's never been to be a published author. I believe in these two books mm-hmm. and these are the books that I want to publish. And the, and the same thing has been true across the board. Um, you know, I, my new book that's coming out, part of your world I got a uh, pretty generous offer Mm -hmm. from Hallmark for the rights to this book. And I actually turned it down because I did not feel like they were going to make the movie the way that it needs to be made. Mm -hmm. And I'm very glad that I did that because Mm -hmm. I got another offer and this one I accepted. So, um, have, part of your world is going to is going to be optioned for a movie from uh, the same place that did Sally Thorne's The Hating Game. Oh, great! So, I mean, I yes. they, also, they also have the Unhoneymooners as well. So I'm very yeah. excited about that. Um, and fantastic. if I had been motivated by money, or even by like you know the the whole like I want my books to be made into a movie thing, I wouldn't have done what's right for the book. I would have just taken the money. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's yeah, you would have optioned and my, moved. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. That's, I, I I'm thinking that's maybe
1: that's like my sweet spot.
2: Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's why I've, I've come this far, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's good. It's, it's very good um, guidance to live your life by. And I think like our listeners will definitely get a little nugget out of that for sure. Good yeah, yeah. And that, Like I, I
2: understand that everybody has the luxury of doing that. You know, some people yeah. have to sell their hobby <laughs> because they can't afford to do it if they don't, you know, but yeah. for me, I was very fortunate and privileged that I was in a position where, I have this other full-time business. I have Nadia Cakes and mm-hmm. I can really be picky and choosy about what I want to do with my book career and Absolutely. just make it something that fills my well. And is, is fulfilling for me, makes me happy. And, you know, and I do what's right by the books and by the readers. So mm-hmm. Love it. I'm lucky that way.
0: Yeah. I think that's so interesting. Um, and I'm wondering, do you ever find like interesting ways that the baking and the writing like kind of collide? Like, do you ever make like special treats or something that like are related to your book somehow, or have you found any other interesting
2: ways that, that those two kind of come together? Oh yeah. So one, I drop naughty cakes into every single book that I write. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah because, like why not? Right. I mean, right. I, mean, I actually <laughs> like to write real businesses into my books whenever I can, small businesses in particular, because I like boosting small businesses. Yeah. I've done that in, uh, in almost every single one of my books. And I always mention Nadia Cakes in my books. And I actually, one of the stipulations for, for the movie deals, because I we also have um, a, a deal for the Happy Ever After playlist, mm-hmm. is that anytime we film, there has to be a Nadia Cakes cameo in one way or another. So yes. they either like slide a case of Nadia <laughs> Cakes across the you know, across the counter, it's in the background or something, but it has to be in there. And, um, at the shops, every time I have a book come out, we make a signature cupcake for that book. So part of your world, we've actually created a cupcake called, uh, goats and pajamas and it's (laughs) a crepe, uh, blackberry cupcake and it's available the whole month that the book comes out. So, and then we ship it nationwide. Yes. That's, it's really fun readers like to come in and get the cupcake and take pictures of it with the book and it's always you know matched to the book so it's really like
1: photogenic and it's instagrammable so Mm -hmm. jumping right into part of your world I love that you introduced two polar opposites in Alexis and Daniel in this book um and you know she's a big city doctor and he's a carpenter mayor of a small town but I love that they just can't deny their attraction to each other and it's also really cool that there's a bit of an age gap between them and I love that you played with that age gap and instead of it being you know the typical younger woman older man it's it's the flip, it's the reverse of that um can you talk a little bit about setting up their relationship and their romance and also what did you enjoy about bringing them to life
2: oh man i just love these two <laughs> i had this like every book starts with a tiny little kernel of an idea mm-hmm. and i just had this idea like what if there was this woman who was just driving through this town and she ends up having this amazing connection with somebody that she meets but it's just so so star-crossed like it's just nothing Mm -hmm. about it makes sense nothing about it you know Mm -hmm. and that's really what I did with Alexis and Daniel but what's what's wild about it though too is like the chemistry between them is just so good and I mean, they even though they're so mismatched on paper, Mm -hmm. together, they really do work because fundamentally, they are both very much the same person. Um, They're both caregivers. They both um, have this very intense family legacy that they come from. Um, And the legacies are different, but Mm -hmm. uh, they both have this sort of responsibility to, uh, you know, their history that they have to adhere to. And I don't know. It's just honestly, I had so much fun writing them, mm-hmm. and I it's like I can't say too much because I don't want to give away like you know, <laughs> plot points. But um, it's a fun read, and I really did enjoy the age gap, which you know honestly doesn't make too much of a difference after you get past like sort of like the first ten percent of the book. Like initially, mm-hmm. that was a thing for Alexa. She's like, "Oh my gosh, this guy is like too young for me. I can't." But mm-hmm. that quickly um, is sort of push to the wayside because you see that it really doesn't matter very much. Daniel's very mature and they're just so well-suited for each other that the age thing doesn't even really come into play. Mm -hmm. And which is how I think it should be with grown adults. You know what I mean? Absolutely.
0: One of the things that I really admire about your books in particular is that you don't shy away from serious topics and, I always feel like your character's reactions and the way they work through things is really genuine and and it feels really real. And in part of your world, Alexis is dealing with the trauma of a past abusive relationship um, and has to also deal with kind of her ex continuing to manipulate his way back into her life and situations. Um, And I know that a lot of readers, I know I've looked through reviews and things and a lot of readers really appreciate this as well. So I was wondering if you could discuss, you know, how Alexis's past affects her motivations throughout this book.
2: Yeah, I think that there's a very common misconception that abuse only happens to a certain type of person. Mm -hmm. And that's just simply not true. You know, we have this woman who's 37 years old. She's incredibly intelligent. She's incredibly successful. Mm -hmm. And she was still in an abusive relationship. And I think... For me, I really learned this um, through my best friend. My best friend, she's been she's a very vocal advocate uh, for survivors of domestic violence. Um mm-hmm. she was in an extremely abusive relationship when she was young. And it was like when I when she started telling me about it, I was very shocked because mm-hmm. my best friend is strong she's strong and smart. And and it just was a, like a little, like, you know, I think we all have that knee jerk, well, why didn't she just leave, you know, mm-hmm. sort of thing about it. And, you know, once I started talking to her about it, I realized like, this can happen to anyone. It It is something that they slowly submerge you into. Mm-hmm. You know, abusers are very manipulative. They're very good at what they do. And it can happen to anyone. And I really channeled that when I wrote this book. There is uh, all different kinds of abuse in this book. There's um, the physical kind and there's mental and emotional abuse depicted in this book. And in addition to talking through it with my best friend and truly feeling like I understood it, I also had several domestic violence uh, advocates that mm-hmm. I had beta read and sensitivity read oh, this novel. Yeah. I had, I had a there, if you go, you know, to the author's notes at the end, you can see all the due diligence that I did. I had a trauma um, specialist uh, who specializes in women going you know, through exactly what is depicted in the book. I had uh, domestic violence advocates read this. I had domestic violence survivors read this mm-hmm. to make sure that I got everything accurate. And, and that not only that it was accurate, but that anyone reading this, whether they're experiencing domestic violence or observing it, mm-hmm. they will walk away from this book, perhaps knowing what to do. you know, what, what steps they can take or how to recognize it. You know, Um, there's a really great quote in the book that I actually used. It was Ashley Spivy. Ashley Spivy is another very vocal domestic violence um, survivor. And she allowed me to use her quote in the book. And so many people have mentioned this quote, and I'm just going to let the readers read it when they get there. But Mm -hmm. so many people have mentioned it, that, that, it it touched them deeply, not mm-hmm. only those who have survived, but also those just witnessing it. Cause I think a lot of times you witness it and you don't know what to do. Yeah. You don't know what to say to somebody who's going through it. You don't know how to help someone that's going through it. So I am very glad that this book gets to serve as a roadmap and that my due diligence has paid off because, you know, again, the, the reviews have really have really solidified that I I did I did a good job, you know, writing this mm-hmm. and and making this something that can possibly help people. Our topic
1: for today's episode is page-to-screen adaptations. So this is just two adaptations that you love and two, and one that you think could have been better. Oh gosh,
2: I'd have to say my all-time favorite adaptation would be Warm Bodies.
1: Oh, a good one. I love
2: that movie. I love, and you know, i read the book and honestly the movie was such an improvement upon the book. And that's not to say the book wasn't good. It's just the Mm -hmm. book was not a rom-com and they the movie they made into a rom-com and I just loved what they did with it. Uh, One of my favorite movies, honestly, of all time. I could watch that movie again and again and again. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see another one, the hating game. I, I, that was honestly a selling point for me when we were talking movie options I went and I watched The Hating Game and I was like, oh, these people did this book right. Like they, they did this, but they took that book and they were able to transfer the tone and the vibe and just, they did it right. You know, they did right by the, by the readers and, and I loved what they did with it. So that was a really great adaptation. Uh, Not so great adaptation would probably be like the (laughs) The entire Twilight series for reasons that we call. But at the same time, I did really enjoy watching it because it's just fun to see the characters on screen. But, you know, we all know it could have been done better. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The super fans will take what they can get, but it could have been, it could have been better.
1: I love it. It's true though. I always think at least the first one was having fun with the material. The rest of them were just such slogs.
0: Abby, you have talked a little, we talked actually quite a bit about this, about your upcoming, hopefully upcoming soon to be movie adaptations. Um, so I'm wondering what has been so surprising for you throughout the process? Uh, how
2: long everything takes? Yeah, <laughs> that's probably it. Um, everything is like hurry up and wait. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and honestly, everyone keeps asking me, "Are you super excited?" I mean, until I see like actors and until I right. selected <laughs> actors for this for these projects, and like they're sending me pictures of people on set, it's just totally not real to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's because I know that like these things a million things need to go right to get a movie made only one thing needs to go wrong you know what I mean and so I'm just I don't know I'm just very chill about the whole thing I honestly I'm just very chill about it. it's like if it gets made into a movie fabulous if it doesn't okay you know maybe one day one of my books will um which I think is again sort of sort of like the sweet spot to be in because Mm -hmm. it's It's a good attitude I didn't go into this like you know with like my life's goal being that they need to make one of my books into a movie. So if it doesn't happen, I'm not devastated. And if it does happen, I'm just like super excited, you know? So it's a, it's a win-win for me.
1: Absolutely. And are you planning to get to go on set when it does finally go into production? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm.
2: The the, the current um, part of your world project, they told me I am, I am perfectly, uh, Welcome and invited to come and awesome. be on set for the whole Love thing, it. and I was like, "Oh, I will. I will be <laughs> Perfect. Set.
1: I will be making TikToks and yeah. standing there with my coffee, watching. Absolutely. Get that edit- <laughs> Get that uh, editor, or the executive um, executive producer credit. You know, <laughs> yeah." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Abby, um, I know with a part of your world coming out this week, we're so excited, but you're probably working on something else. If you can talk a little bit about it, what are you working on next?
2: Yeah, so I have, um, I have two, three book deals with, uh, Hachette, and part of your world is the first of my second three book deal. So you guys are getting at least two more books out of me. And I've already written the follow-up book for Part of Your World, which is going to come out this time next year. It's called Just My Type. And it is about the best friend that we meet in Part of Your World, which everybody walks away from Part of Your World just going, I loved Bree. I loved Bree. Brianna is going to be my first um, uh, main character of color she is salvadorian she is an er physician like alexis mm-hmm. and it is an enemies to lovers one bed fake dating romance wow. which yeah it like the trifecta it's like ding ding <laughs> ding um and it's just honestly everybody always asks me who's your favorite hero what's your favorite book i love them all but i have to be honest i am so super in love with jacob from this book he has <laughs> Clinical anxiety, and I really normalize taking medication, going to therapy. Mm-hmm. You know things that that people don't really talk about mm-hmm. very much right. in rom coms. And you know you see this person who is just completely lovable, who has these mental health issues, and it's very open about it. And again, I just think it really normalizes it. One thing I'm trying to do. In all my books, is um, destigmatize mental health, and mm-hmm. one of the things that probably no one would even notice this, that it's not there. But in part of your world, I've actually removed all mental health stigmatizing words from that book. So words like crazy, insane, psychopath—you know, these words that are sort of like part of our everyday vernacular—are completely removed from that book and will be removed from all my books going forward. So, um, yeah, I'm just really excited to get some mental health rep out there in the rom-com world and do yeah. some good do the same thing with that that I have done with part of your world with uh, the domestic violence advocacy so mm-hmm.
0: yeah definitely no that's so important I love that we're starting to see more authors kind of include that in in their work and I just I think it's so important so thank you for that that's that's going to be awesome I can't mm-hmm. wait to read it yeah um, so as we kind of wind down, um, I was hoping that you can share with our listeners where you like to interact with them online.
2: I have a very active TikTok, which mm-hmm. is super fun to follow me there. But I have a reader group on Facebook that if you really want one-on-one engagement with me or exclusive anything really, mm-hmm. uh, I post in there a lot. Uh, it's called the Friend Zone by Abby Jimenez Dis- reader discussion group mm-hmm. kind of a mouthful uh, it's got over 6,000 members so just search it up and if you see 6,000 mm-hmm. members that's that's the one and I'm very very active in there i like to give oh. that group a lot of incentive to hang out in there with me so oh. definitely go go and go and join that thank you so much Abby for joining us today we really really appreciate it thank, yeah, you. So thank you so much for having me on guys Welcome back,
0: everyone. Um, My favorite thing about that conversation with Abby is how she was like, cupcakes and books like weren't my main thing, but I won Cupcake Wars and I'm a, you know, instant bestseller. Yeah, New York
1: Times (laughs) bestseller. It's no big deal.
0: Uh, so you know yeah and her books are about to be movies like who what yeah Mm -hmm. not my main thing okay (laughs) no no she was awesome and I think but I think that was really important because she was just like you know it wasn't like my goal was not to do this it was my goal was like do something because I needed an outlet and now I'm super happy and successful so
1: yeah. yeah, I love I love stories like that, and I think mm-hmm. that it's such a relatable experience because how many of us have not just like started doing something, fell in love with it, and then yeah. listened to somebody say that's a really good thing and you should continue doing it. Like mm-hmm. it's cool when it works out, and yeah. it's really cool when it works out twice. And Abby Super was awesome. such a delight, so we're really excited for. But that.
0: also, like Cupcake Wars, like come I on,
1: I was like, go on, it's, <laughs> is it cake? Go on, is it cake? Yeah. <laughs> Love it, so much. Everybody
0: go oh, in. Here. That's so funny. Okay. Goal talk. Uh, let's, right, talk let's talk go. about our goals. Let's do it.
1: <laughs> How is uh how'd your goal go? Uh yeah. Your...
0: <laughs> still didn't do it. So my goal from last time was to actually read a nonfiction mm-hmm. book, uh, part two. I acquired said book like I got the book. That's good. It's first. I have not read it. (laughs) I was going, I want to read at some point. Um, you got anything stronger by Gabrielle union. I love Gabrielle union. I loved her first memoir. I've said all of this. This is just repeat me being repetitive. I don't know why I haven't read it. I just haven't. And I, so I'm, I'm moving on from it. Hopefully Mm -hmm. I will be inspired to read a a nonfiction book at some point point. And I will keep all of you posted, but I think everyone at home too is probably like, would you stop trying to do this? (laughs) No,
1: they're like, we're like, we also want to do it. Well, eventually she just needs to come. Gabby just needs to come to the store so that you can do an event with
0: her. Her next book. I'm going to be like, bring her to Anderson's and
1: I will read all of them. (laughs) Yeah. I'll be like, I'll be well-read by that point. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, So no. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, that's okay. It's it's all right. Um, the book will still be there. It'll be there yes. when you read it.
0: It's here. So,
1: <laughs> all right. Well, my goal was to finish yes. packing and move. Um, mm-hmm. I have I still have more stuff to move. So I guess that is. But we're almost done <laughs> today. Today, yeah. after we finish recording, we're going to go over to our apartment and do the final everything, and it'll yeah. all be done. So that'll be great. Uh, so I will say, I will put a check mark next to my goal and say, okay, finish packing. And I did move. Um, so yeah, let's get into our new goals. My new goal is to finish whatever sort of organizational system I'm going Mm. to do in my pantry.
0: Yeah. I'm writing this for you. Thank you.
1: Yeah. It's like, I've got the, the, the risers and the separators and the plastic bins and the baskets, Mm -hmm but it's never enough. So now I'm going right. to go get more and measure. So just putting the time in to do that. So finish organizing my pantry. That's my you goal. know what?
0: That's important because a pantry can easily become
1: mm-hmm. very unwieldy. Yes. yes. <laughs> I've discovered that. Cause I was just like, I'll just throw it in there, just throw it in there. And then all of a sudden I couldn't find anything. And I'm like, Oh God. Yeah. Oh no. I need, I need a chocolate. That was always what it comes down to is when I, need Oh Yeah. <laughs> desperately need a piece of chocolate
0: and yeah, it's nowhere to be found. Yep. I, I, I wish you much luck in this endeavor.
1: <laughs> All right. So what goal are you working on this week?
0: Okay. So I've been thinking a lot about this. I know a lot of my goals are writing related, but it's one of those accountability things where if I say something on the podcast now <laughs> reading a nonfiction book, notwithstanding. But I think when it comes to my writing, when I say it on the podcast, I then will feel motivated to Mm -hmm. actually do it.
1: I get that. (laughs) So you are a resident writer on the podcast. Sure. Sure. (laughs) Yes.
0: Um, But I was just thinking about it. I was talking to actually a friend of mine. This is so funny. So my my daughter Ivy has like found one of those, like she has found like the friend who I think is going to be like her, like one of her like lifelong friends. Like they are just so much on the same wavelength and by on the same wavelength, I mean, they are. Dorks. So weird. <laughs> yeah. Perfect.
1: Yeah. Oh, I know. And that's what daughter. I
0: was. So it's, perfect. yes, exactly. And that's how I was. So they had a play date. I was talking to her mom and I said the same thing. She's like, Oh my gosh. She's like, I know. I'm just so happy they found each other. And, but her mom is also a writer mm-hmm. and publishes Cozy Mysteries, like self publishes Cozy Mysteries. So it's like very kismet. It's very cute. But we were talking about it and I was like, talking, talking, talking. And I was like, Oh my gosh. I haven't written anything like not related to what I already have in the works Mm -hmm. in probably three months. Yeah. Like probably since the beginning of the year, almost. So maybe four months. And I was like, and I got like kind of anxious about it. I was like, why haven't I been right? Because, but it's like, I had, past pages and blah 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 yeah. and all the stuff related to the book that is coming in July and I'm on deadline right now for my second round of revisions for book 2. So I mean I'm still writing. I'm still yeah. working on things, but I was like I have not written anything new. And so I like and and even like I have these like two very rough drafts that I like sped through writing last summer, but even that I was like no, but those are like in the works, you know? Like I was like so my goal for this next couple of weeks is to write something new. Cool. That's not related to what I have in the works, just something completely different. Like, so, you know, and also then the other thing is like, I know eventually I'm going to be working on what I decide to submit to my editors next, you know, like, Hmm. And it's like, and whether they say yes or no, and then thinking about, well, then what does that mean going back out on submission? And, you know, like, what will that process be like? So like, I've got a lot of things to work on, but I just have not sat down and just written yeah, something in a long time it's more and I, I mean I've, I've been busy and I've been enjoying it but I was thinking about this like speaking to this other mom who's also a writer who kind of understands the public I mean different publishing process because she self-publishes publishes but I was like it made me really made me think about that and I was like no I need to like continue to create new things mm-hmm. so even if it's like a thousand words or, yeah. or it's an outline or something. I do want to work on something new.
1: I think that's great. And you know, I was sitting here, I felt very conflicted with your goal. Cause I was like, Danielle, don't put so much pressure on yourself, yeah. to, like create, but I actually 100% get and agree with what you're mm. saying, because even if you just write down an idea, yeah. Down and you have like, it made me think of Joan Rivers in Joan Rivers' documentary. Yeah. She's going go into her home and you see her like library. And it's like these old timey um, card catalogs, Dewey Decimal System card catalogs. And she opens them up and it's just all her jokes. And yeah. it's just like an idea that she had, or maybe it's the fully flushed joke on there, but it was just like this, this library of her ideas so that when she needed it, 15 years later or Mm -hmm. a year later, it was there ready for her to, to germinate and work on. And I'm like, that, that might be what you're looking for. It's just like a place to put your ideas so that when it's time for whatever to the next thing is you're like, oh, okay, well, this is the the next book I can work on, or this is the idea that I've been able to. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, I think that's a great idea. Thank you. Don't put too much pressure on yourself on that. No,
0: exactly. No. And that's why I think I'm including, even if it's just Three paragraphs of an idea or something, just something. Yes. Something. Anything. And I'll be like,
1: get yourself a new journal.
0: (laughs) Well, so that's okay. So let's move into what's bringing me comfort because that's related to mine. Cool. Let's do it. Um, Or bringing us comfort because I did get a new journal, Gwen. Yes. (laughs) And so what's bringing me comfort this week, though? So everyone knows I have a one line a day journal. I sent one to Gwen because I believe in it so much. Love it. But I also kind of missed just writing like pages upon pages of just yep. like the absolute word, speaking of word vomit, just absolute like thought vomit you
1: had to get it out. Yeah,
0: I did. And that is what, and so I've been doing that. I mean, it's, it's not every day. I think I've done it like twice a week for like two weeks. Like this is a very recent thing that has started for me and I really love it. Wow. Um, it's just really nice to just write. And it doesn't matter. I'm thinking, I was kind of thinking though, I was like, maybe I do need like a little structure. And so I was thinking, may have looking into like some, I know there are like newsletters and also websites that have like daily writing, pro- like journal prompts. Prompt. Yeah. You know, so, so not necessarily every time, but like, I'm really liking writing in a journal with that's yeah. not, you know, just like five
1: lines. Have you done the artist's way yet?
0: I haven't, I have it and I have read it. I just have never actually done it. So that may be a place to start as well.
1: Maybe something for the summer, something when you have 12 weeks to consider.
0: Maybe. Yeah. It sounds like, it sounds
1: like all the things you're saying are tiptoeing you in that direction. Right. Like Mm -hmm. as a a member of the artist way cult, I will just, uh, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. this, this is all starting to make sense. Gwen. Yeah. Like Julie, you're ready for her. (laughs)
0: Yes. What is bringing you comfort this week?
1: Well, speaking of cozy things, (laughs) I have been obsessed with Julia on Mm -hmm. uh, HBO max, Mm -hmm. which is the Julia child biopic, uh, starring the woman from happy Valley, uh, (laughs) see Julie Sweeney's no that's that's somebody else um and David Hyde Pierce from Frasier yeah and it is and Babe New Earth is in it so like all yeah. your favorite theater actors um are in this show and it yeah. is just the sweetest charming coziest little show I have been watching it all <laughs> week well I watched it on Thursday I, I worked from my from my couch which explains why my hip is in a lot of pain um but it's just it takes place right after she publishes her first Mm -hmm. first cookbook and gets the show, the French chef and is trying to convince everybody at PBS to let her have the show. Yeah, Um, And it's like, it's one of those things like kind of like Ted Lasso where everybody starts off really awful at the beginning. And then you start to peel the layers (laughs) back and you're like, Oh, they're good people. And it very much hits those same notes of like, oh, I don't really trust everyone. Oh, okay. So it's just, oh, they need to talk or they have like normal conversations. And it's this middle-aged couple who have like, who feel romantic towards each other. And so you get to see that on screen. And I'm just like, it's just so sweet. So there are five episodes. It comes out every Thursday on HBO Max. Um, There's five episodes available right now. Mm -hmm. It makes for a great couch watch. You can watch in the bathtub, do whatever you want. It's just so cute. I love it. I'm going to be sad when it's over. Yes.
0: Oh, and it's um Sarah. I'm sure she says this Sarah way Lancashire. cooler. Yeah. Sarah Lancashire. But I'm, yeah. I'm sure it's like Lancashire or something yeah. great. Yep. Way more posh than Lancashire. <sighs> like She is so good
1: at, <laughs> as, as Julia Child. Like, yeah. I didn't think it's like if you I love the movie Julia and Julia, but only the Julia parts. So mm-hmm. it's all of that. <laughs> You know what's interesting
0: so Pop Culture Happy Hour NPR's podcast Pop Culture Podcast just talked about it. You should listen to that episode mm-hmm. cuz I'd be interested to think hear what you think about what they thought about it. Oh, wow. But they did make a very important distinction that like this actress like she is well known in the UK mm-hmm. but she's not as well known here yeah. and someone even brought up Julie, Julie and Julia and was like you always know you're watching Meryl Streep play Julia Child whereas this performance you don't think about it like you she she is Julia Child
1: in a way that was
0: different yeah
1: yeah I was and that was yes I I love that they said that because that's that's the thing that Mm -hmm. really stands out is that she that's cool she vanishes in that character and she brings so much heart to Julia too that like I don't know if if her show was a show that you watched after school growing up too oh yeah 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 that was like the julia child was like part of my early Mm -hmm. childhood so like seeing her in this movie i'm just like oh
0: it's so cool yeah i (laughs) love that i love that a lot
1: highly recommend it
0: awesome well this is it Gwen.
1: this is the saddest part
0: (laughs) i know um i always feel like we should start i'm not gonna sing but we should like start singing how they used to at the end of the (laughs) making club (laughs) Um, no, we're not going to do that. That'd be terrible.
1: Uh, we <laughs> like Kelly Clarkson have a different sign-off song every time. Yeah. Know. Right. <laughs> we'll finally get um, mailed to be like, please stop singing.
0: <laughs> yeah, please don't do that. Um, no, we're not going to do that, but what you can do is follow us on all the socials, of course, follow fresh fiction at fresh fiction at, and then follow me at D Jackson books and Gwen. where that can they find you get me
1: at real Vixen.
0: Awesome. And then you can always email us and tell us, maybe you want us to sing. You, you don't want us to sing, uh, but you can email us directly at podcast at freshfiction.com. Of course, rate, review, subscribe, follow on your favorite podcatcher, and let us know. Tell us what your favorite adaptations are. I'm sure there are some very obvious ones we forgot. So please tell us. We'd love to hear hear about it. Um, and until next time, we will talk to you guys all soon.